0: We welcome you. We want you to take a Bible, however you get your Bible, whether that's electronically on an app or an iPad, or whether that's in book form. We want you to go ahead and open your Bibles to the Book of First Thessalonians. Uh, today we end our series on a generous life, and uh, I'm I'm excited. It's been a fun series for me. I don't know about you, but I've really enjoyed uh, this series as we look to this God who is so generous that it allows us to know that we have everything we need. And that opens up our eyes to be able to see opportunities to be generous, not just with our finances, but with our time, with our attention, with our in our attitudes. And it's been fun to see how this is modeled over and over and over again through Jesus into into the apostles, and today is no exception. But before we move into our last uh, time together in this topic, I, I want to take a second to plug for now. Next week next week is going to be a one I don't, can you call it a series if it 's just one sermon no okay so uh, it 's just one sermon. It was supposed to be more, but I, I felt like I think we could do it in one, and I want to move us right into our Advent time. And, and this is on family feels. We have the holidays coming up, and some of you love that. You get all the family feels. You know, you're just feeling it. You love it. Deidre's already got her Christmas tree up. Uh, so, you know, she's you know she's in that family feels time. But for many of us, the family feels are more like, Yuck, I don't know about this. And so whether you're in the feeling with the family or whether that's a little bit scary for you, and as you approach the holiday season, the Bible has something to say to us about family feels. And so I'm excited for you to be here on this one uh, sermon, and I encourage you to be here. I also want to encourage you to invite someone. You are not alone in family in the holidays, okay? And so make sure to invite someone. Do this. Think about and pray, God, open my ears to hear anyone around me who might be saying, oh, I'm not looking forward to the holidays. When you hear that, take an opportunity, get one of those cards from the Connect Center and say, hey, t- next Sunday, we're going to be talking about that very thing. Why don't you come and join me? I'll meet you. We'll we'll do it and we can go for coffee or, or food afterwards. Will you do that? All right. This is important. This is a part of our ten-four vision. But you do that. Pray and ask God for the opportunity when you hear somebody saying that you invite them to come and be with you. All right. Well, first Thessalonians, I want to move it into chapter five. OK, but before we go there, I want to ask you, how many of you know who this guy is? Anybody know who this guy is? Who is it? Dave Ramsey, okay, Dave Ramsey, wildly popular, wildly successful, I'm old enough to remember when he was on an AM station in Nashville, and that was it, uh, and he would play, have his show, I think he called it the money game back then, and, uh, and he had a lot of very unique intros, um. He He's a great guy and really has helped a lot of people, myself and Lori included. Uh, Dave Ramsey's book, Financial Peace, way, way, way back in the day, helped me understand not just how you can kind of get money working against you, which is kind of a negative side, right? So he, he uses a lot of harsh words. I don't really like when he calls people stupid or that was a moron thing to do. Um, that, that kind of bugs me. But... He's, he helped us understand, really, for us as younger graduate students, how credit cards work against you. And really helped us to understand how to do that. But the more positive side of what Dave's book helped us understand was how to get money working for you. So it's not just doing the things that stops credit from ruining you, but what are the things that can happen in your life that can begin to cause money to work for you? And we have leaned into that as much as our student loans will allow us to do. So you you have this. Well, today, as we're talking about a generous life, I, trust me, this is all I'm going to say about Dave Ramsey. Uh, I want today for you to understand when it comes to a generous life or generosity, that God has something in mind that begins to help you begin to move into the generous life. And Paul in 1 Thessalonians kind of wraps everything up with this prayer. And so I want you to hear this prayer read to you this morning. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning at verse 23. It's just two short verses. But hear the word of the Lord this morning. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The One who calls you is faithful. And He will do it. This is the Word of God for the people of God. And our response is, thanks be to God. Amen. Well, it's a, it's a very interesting prayer that we have here in this moment and in this time, and I want us to begin to lean into it because it doesn't seem like it talks about giving or finances or anything along those lines at all. But what we have to understand, as we have said in each and every part of this series, that generosity constantly begins with who? With God. That God is the one who has been so generous and has given and has given and has given and He gave His own life on the cross. And then there was resurrection life that was also given and the Holy Spirit that continues to be given to us today. And so once again, Paul begins and talks about may the God of peace Himself. Now that word peace there is the Greek word. Are you ready for your first Greek word? is the Greek word erene. Erene. Are you ready to say that? Ready? One, two, three. Erene. And this is Paul, who is a Jew, speaking to Romans in Thessaloniki or Thessalonica. And he is using a word they would be familiar with. But the concept that Paul, as a good Jew, would have is the concept of shalom. That's the Hebrew word. Say the word shalom with me. Ready? One, two, three shalom and he says may the may God himself the God of peace which in Greek is what word oh that's Hebrew come on now get get get, get click in here we're gonna have some words today all right no it's may the God of who what in Greek what is it very good and but it has the concept of the Hebrew word which is what Shalom. Now, this is going to be very important for the rest of the sermon. And so there's a video that I want you to be able to see that really encapsulates what the word shalom and, of course, as Paul uses it as erene, uh, will begin to say to us. So let's watch this quick video so you can begin to understand shalom and erene.
1: The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job, who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. a time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Erene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the Apostle Paul can say, Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be, but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven and on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives our relationships or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. Amen. So, did you catch that?
0: If you didn't, this is the main part that I want you to understand about shalom. Shalom is something that is complex. It's what? It's complex. There are many pieces. But the focus is that it is in a state of completeness or wholeness. There are no missing parts. So when you crank the engine over, it starts. In all of its complexity, and all that's happened, your car is in shalom because it's working and no parts are missing. Are you catching me? They also went on to say that the core idea in this is that life is complex. Can I get an amen? Life is extremely complex, with all of its moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. I won't ask you if your shalom is broken this morning, but I gather with just the few of us that are here, there are some of us where the relationships and situations may be out of alignment. And what you need then is that it is no longer complete, and it needs what? To be restored. So Paul then says to this tiny community whose life seemed out of sorts, you see, if we plug this back into its historical context, Thessalonica was a church started by Paul and Silas. And it was great, and they really came to love people. If you would read the whole of 1 Thessalonians, you will see Paul uses this very fatherly language about how we loved each other, and you became like a family to me, I became like a father to you, and you became my children, and I loved to see how you responded. But in the midst of this, they began to teach them that Jesus was Lord. And when you were in a Roman colony and you heard somebody saying, Jesus is Lord, you, your ears went up because you said, no wait, Caesar is to be Lord. And they began to undergo persecution because there was the thought that they're declaring this Jesus as the King, as the Caesar, as the Lord. And there was a lot of persecution, so much persecution that Paul and Silas were run out of, out of, out of Thessalonica. And they were broken hearted about this. Paul writes about it over and over. About how broken he was and worried what would happen to that little house church as they were there declaring Jesus as Lord. And he began to hear that they were uh, suffering and they were being persecuted. In fact, some had even died under persecution. And so Paul sends Timothy back. And Timothy says, in spite of the persecution, this little church is making it. But all things are out of sorts. And so Paul takes that moment and he writes this letter of 1 Thessalonians. And he writes back to them and he he says, I hear about your faithfulness. This is wonderful. And then he wants to challenge them to go deeper. He wants them to see what the true call of God really is. What they were really saved for. And he goes through and he comforts them all the way along. He comforts them even talking about uh, what's going to happen when Christ returns and, and their loved ones they will see again and all of these things. And he comes down right to the very end of the letter where we are today and he offers this beautiful prayer. May the God... May God Himself, the God of Erene, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a lot to say. You may think, wow, that's just one verse. There's a ton there. And so I want us to look at that. Made God Himself the God of peace. It's important, as we saw in the video and all that, this is not the God who is peaceful way up there in the clouds. You know, floating around, just looking at stuff. And, and, you know, oh, this is a nice lazy boy cloud. Nothing like that. This is not the God who only stops war or conflict, although... God can do that? No. This is the God of Shalom, the God of Irene, the God who understands the complexity of your life and my life and our life and all lives. And he understands the complexity of relationships and he himself is the source of wholeness and completeness. Paul is not going to some little guy who, I hope this happens. No, he says, may this happen. This is what I desire to happen with every fiber of my being that you would understand that the God that I am praying to is the God who understands the complexity of your situations, the sufferings that you're in, all the things that have happened, the grief that you share. God is there. He understands the lack of your shalom. And He is the one who can bring. He is the source of the completeness and the wholeness in the midst of your situation. And He wants that God to do something. He wants that God to sanctify you all. Now, we don't have a second person plural in our language unless you're from down south where you say, y'all. But I want you to know, it's not just sanctify you, it's sanctify y'all. May God, the God of peace who understands complexity and can bring wholeness because he's the source of wholeness and completeness, may he sanctify you all y'all. The word for sanctify is the word "hagiasai." You want to say that with me, don't you? Ready? One, two, three. "Hagiasai." It's a fun word to say. And it does mean sanctify or to make holy. But there's an understanding that it means to set apart and to what? You can read it there. And to cleanse for God's Purposes. One way that they see this is if you wanted to look back into the book of Leviticus, you would see there are very detailed uh, ideas of what needs to happen for certain sacrifices to be acceptable. Or if you want to look in Exodus, where they are building the tabernacle and God gives them all these Things that they need to set aside. And they need to be built in these very specific ways. Or they need to be washed in this very specific way. And that is the cleansing part, and it's going to be set aside for God's purpose. Either in the tabernacle, to where God's presence will be, or the sacrifice will be used for God's purpose in order to bring healing and wholeness and those kinds of things. It was not just that it was said, okay, we're going to dedicate this this bottle of oil is God's. Here it is. You know, it's right there. No, there was something that not only did this need to be uh, set apart and declared to be the Lord's, but there were things that God wanted to be very specific to cleanse it, to set it apart that this is very sacred and special to be used for God's purposes. And Paul is saying, I want the God of peace to do this for you all. To set you all apart for His purposes and to cleanse you for God's purposes. Now, he doesn't want just part of it. I I want you all to be cleansed on Sunday only. Or I, I want to just cleanse your mind. Or I just want to cleanse and set apart your spirit so that after your body dies, you can go to heaven. No. Paul says, may the God of Shalom... Set you apart and cleanse you wholly and completely. I told you we we're going to have a lot of words today. So the, the actual phrase is holoteles, kai, holocleron. So let's say holoteles, uh, holoteles first. Ready? One, two, three. Holoteles. Kai. Just means and. Kai. Holocleron. Alright, holotelis, kai holokleron. It means holotelis. Telos has this idea of the end of the journey. Your purpose was to climb to the mountain, and as you crest the top and see the view, 360, you have reached the telos. That word holo sounds like the word what? Whole. So the whole of your purposes, the whole of all the things that you do in your life, what you think are the purposes that you were set on earth for, in all of those, and not just Kleron, just one little part, but Claron. All of the parts of who you are. All of those. The God who is complete in His wholeness and can bring wholeness to your shalom that is damaged and broken wants to set apart and cleanse all of your purposes and every part of your life and who you are. God isn't just interested in a little bit. We've been saying this over and over again. God is interested in all of you. You may think that that's uh, that's a lot. That this God wants to sanctify you all wholly and completely, every purpose and every part set apart and cleansed for His purposes. But hold on to your seats because we're just getting started. Paul goes on. We're still in one verse. Did you know that? Okay, we're all, we're all good, right? I only have two, so we'll still get to your, your to your meatloaf on time. Hold on to your seats. Because he goes on and he says, in case there's any doubt, I want you to know that may your body, soul, and spirit. Here's our three words. numa. Say pneuma. pneuma. Say psukse. That's a fun one. Psukse. It's fun to say. It kind of sounds like psyche or body. Soma. Paul says, I want all of this. Your pneuma. 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 Now, we think spirit, we think of that thing that lives forever and will go to heaven after we die. Paul, as a good Hebrew, would have the understanding of ruach. It would be the breath, the very breath that God gives you. And we believe that God gives you every single breath that you breathe in and breathe out every day. It is gift and it is a mystery that God would be able to, would do this and continue sustain your breath day in and day out. Psukse is life. It is what you do with that breath. Every breath that comes in, you use for a specific purpose. For some of you, you breathe in and out as you exercise. Some of you breathe in and out as you go to job and work. Some of you breathe in and out as you are with your family. Some of you breathe in and out in your suffering, but it's what you do with That breath that is given to you, that's suksé. And then, of course, your body is the thing that you take that breath and that life that is produced out of that breath. And it's what you live in and do all of that life, that suksé with. So Paul is saying, every purpose, every part, including your very breath, including the life that you live out of that breath, and in the body that you live that life that that breath gives you in. Every part. Can you think how complex is that? To think about the complexity of just that God gives you breath every other second. That God gives you life and what you do with every part of your life. And to think about the complexity of your very body. God knows every molecule, every cell, everything that is going on in that, and he wants it all. And Paul says, it is my greatest prayer for you in your suffering where your shalom is not fulfilled, that this God would sanctify you all. And then he says that all of that would be kept blameless. I can't remember if this is our last couple of words or not, There's a lot in this one. The word blameless in Greek is hamemptos. You ready? One, two, three. Hamemptos. And Paul, again, as a good Jew who's in a Greek setting, uses the Greek word hamemptos. But we know he had in mind the Hebrew understanding, which is tamam. So you want to say some Hebrew today, don't you? So ready? One, two, three. Tamam mom has the understanding of to be complete, to be healthy, to be unblemished, to be in accord with the truth, to be sound, to be upright. That Paul's greatest desire for that congregation, every person in that congregation, and he's speaking that down through time to you and to me today, that his greatest desire is that the God who understands the complexity and can bring shalom to all of the complexity of your life and your relationships can sanctify every purpose and every part, including the breath He gives you, including the life that you live with that breath, in the body that you live that life, that you get that breath. Every part God can set apart and cleanse for His purposes. And that was Paul's desire. He knew they were a faithful church. He knew they had said yes to Jesus. He knew they were suffering, but he still said, there is more purpose in what God has set you apart for. And I pray that you're going to lean into it. I pray that you're going to just, that God's going to do this. And he says, it's over a length of time. It's not just for Sunday. It's not just for a couple of hours, but till when? From now until Jesus comes. That your spirit, life, soul, and body would be whole and healthy in accordance with the truth, upright, from now until Jesus comes. Wow. I don't know about you, but when I think about this, every purpose, every part set apart, cleansed for God's purposes from now until Jesus comes, that's a tall order. Don't you think? Are you you scratching your head like, how does that work out? Come on now. You know you are. I was. How can this happen? Well, that's why we only had one verse and we're going on to verse 24. Because verse 24 gets us back to generosity. Verse 24 says, The one who calls you is what? And he will what? Do it. Paul has put up a tall order. But He knows the One to whom He is praying. And the One who He is praying that this would happen to for that little congregation, He knows is faithful. And He knows that He will and can do this in your life and in my life and in the life of that little church in Thessalonica. And so He says He wants us to know that the One who is faithful is the God of peace. The God who understands the complexity of life and relationships and is the source of completeness and wholeness it is the God, who is this One, who is faithful. And He can do it. He can set apart and cleanse your very breath that He gives you. He can set apart and cleanse for His purposes the very life that you live. He can set apart and cleanse for His purposes the body that you live that life in, even if you are not very pleased with the body that He gave you. He can still set it apart. This reminds us that this is a gift. Sometimes, in our tradition in particular, I'm only going to pick on us, we've talked about this wonderful sanctifying through and through every purpose and every part, body, life, and soul set apart and cleansed for His purposes. And we've kind of sold it as a, okay, so get to it, start working, make sure you don't do all of these things, and make sure you do do all of these things, and make sure that everything is kosher. And I have seen too many of my friends burnt out. And not even a part of church or faith anymore because of that. And it's one small mistake. And the mistake is not realizing that it's not something that you do. It's not something that I do. It is something that God Himself, the God of Shalom, who understands the complexity of your life and relationships and is the source of completeness and wholeness, it is He and He alone who can set you apart, every purpose and every part of your life, and can set it and cleanse it, your body, your soul, and your spirit, and keep it blameless until He comes again. Again, and when you realize this is his gift to you, you, right where you are in your situation now, have only to dare to receive it, to say yes, God, I want that. I want to be set aside for your plan and your purpose. He is faithful. Your only question maybe today is, will you dare to believe that He is that faithful to you and to us? That He would dare to offer you this gift. Will you let Him give you this gift? I want you to know that God is a God of love. And therefore, He will never force this gift upon you. But He will always offer it to you right where you are, no matter how broken your shalom is, this God of peace is faithful and He will do this if you will receive it. Our tradition tells me that I am I am to make sure that I talk about this and make sure you know that the gift is available and I am confident that I am here to point you to the One who is faithful who can do this. John Wesley, a long time ago, wrote this as as the summation of the gift. Sanctification is what we call it. It is the renewal of our fallen nature by the Holy Spirit. Received through faith in Jesus Christ, whose blood of atonement cleanses from all sin. How much sin? We are not only delivered from the guilt of sin, but you can be washed from its pollution, saved from its power, and enabled through grace to love God with all your heart and to walk in His holy commandments blamelessly with wholeness and completeness in line with the truth. And I am here today, and it is my great honor and my great privilege to tell you about the God who offers you this gift. Because I just don't feel like we can leave today unless... Unless I say to you this gift is available to you today, are you willing, are you willing to open up your heart, every purpose, every part of who you are, young person? Are you willing to give God the purposes of the future that's yet to come? Are you, are you ready to say, God, I believe you can do this that you can come and take every part of me and all my purposes and you can cleanse it you can set it apart and i'll be used for you and i'll receive this gift and somehow it's going to it's going to mess with my purposes and my purposes are going to start looking like your purposes and i'm going to start looking generous like you and loving like you and uh, yeah do you know about this gift? My friend, are you willing to receive it today? It is available to you. I'm asking you to close your eyes, bow your head. I just feel like today we need to come forward and receive the gift, this good gift. And so I'm going to open up the altars. It's just a place to kneel. But if you know your shalom is broken, your relationships, your attitudes are out of alignment and you just want to trust in the One who is faithful, that He can do it for you, that He can take every purpose and every part and cleanse it and use it for His purposes. Would you come to the altar today and receive that? That's your sign that you're saying to God, God, I'm trusting in Your faithfulness and Your generosity. And I want to come today and receive that. One has come. Is there anyone else who would come today? Anyone else who would come? Who would say, I want to receive that. I want every part and every purpose to be for you, God. Come and cleanse my heart. Set me aside for you. If that's you, come. Many are coming. Don't leave without this beautiful gift that the one who is faithful is willing to offer to you today. You come. Come right where you are. Don't leave this place without it. Come, come. Receive the Spirit. This is beautiful today. This is why we exist. To declare the generosity of the faithful one, the God of Shalom. You come. I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite and ask some of our folks around here who like who are our prayer warriors to come and just lay a hand on someone's shoulder to pray. Let them know they're not alone, that you want that gift for them too, that you're excited that they're receiving it. Just come and and pray. This is important work. Father, today I'm in awe at how faithful you are, how generous you are, and how I believe you can and will do this for those who have come. And I pray right now in this moment that you would touch them and help them to know they have received the gift that you long for them to have. That you, the God of Shalom, who understands the complexity of their life, understands the complexity of their relationships, their spirits, their psyche, their bodies, and your desire is for them to be whole. Your desire is for them to be set apart and cleansed for Your purposes. Your desire is to wash away the pollution of sin, to take away the power of sin and enable them to live all of their life and all of their purposes in the very body that You gave them to Your glory that they might live upright and blameless before You from now all the way through till You come again. I pray that they will remember this moment today and that You will bless them for it. Father, help us to remember this is not just for individuals, but it is for us all. So continue to help us as a church take that next step into saying yes to what You would call us to, to go deeper into letting every purpose and every part be set apart and cleansed for Your work. For we pray this in the great name of Jesus who made all of this possible, who opened the door, who gives the Spirit that fills us and cleanses us and comforts us and guides us and helps us. It's in His name we pray all of these things. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Don't feel like you have to rush away if you need More time to pray, you may. But I'm going to bless all of you. Would you stand and receive this blessing? And then would you go reverently and quietly? I can think of no better closing than Paul's own words. Now may God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you wholly, completely. May your spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Church, the one who calls you is faithful. And He will do it. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. One God forever and ever. Amen. Go in His generosity.